What's up, everyone? Markeith Brayton here. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Markeith Brayton Podcast. And this week, I am sharing another live video I did with my coach, mentor, and spiritual business advisor, Danielle Jervy Harmon. Today, we talked about how to profit from live events. I am in relationship with many coaches, authors, speakers, trainers, and even corporate professionals who have a desire to host workshops and live events. And Danielle has a great knowledge base on how to profit from live events. These type of events can be a very good avenue for you to enroll people into your programs, to enroll people into the different types of services that you may have, and also to introduce them to a product that you may have. So I thought it would be a great, great live interview to share on the podcast for those of you who are interested in hosting and having your own live events in the future. Or you may have one uh, that's coming up pretty soon and could use this information to, you know, really look at your processes and systems. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And, you know, I'm always appreciative of you listening to the Marquis Brain podcast and being attentive to all of the valuable content that I provide. Thank you for being support. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoy. Once again, welcome to this live with Markeith Brayton and Darielle Jervy Harmon. You all could hear her at the beginning, but you couldn't hear me. And so we appreciate you being on. Thank you for letting me know in the comments that you couldn't hear me. Um, but we'll just continue. Actually, we're going to start from the beginning because I know that I want to reuse this a little bit later. So let me introduce myself. I am Markeith Brayton, a.k.a. your brand maximizer, helping corporate professionals and executives to maximize and monetize their personal brand so that they can shift from being the best kept secret to becoming known and paid for their expertise. And I'm excited to be sharing this interview with you because this young lady here is the bomb.com. If they still use that, I don't know. And so we're going to let her reintroduce herself again because we had some technical difficulties at the beginning. Awesome. But they didn't hear you say that you were that I was your coach. and your Oh, mentor, yes. They didn't hear friend. me say that. They Let me say that, that again. So this <laughs> young lady is my coach, my mentor, uh, a spiritual business advisor. She is somebody who has, you know, sometimes people say people have it all together. I won't say she has it all together, but she's moving in the direction of having it all together and perfecting her gift each and every Day and so this huh. is none other than Miss Darnielle Jervy Harmon. Thank you for joining me today. Yes, I'm so excited that you are here. Hello, hello, hello. I see Kathy. 
I see Benny. I'm excited you guys are here. So I am Darnielle. My name means the secret place where dreamers go to dream. And I am first and foremost a child of the Most High God. I love God with all that I am and all that I have. And I don't apologize for it, right? I'm not the separate church and state girl. In fact, my whole business is centered around showing high achieving entrepreneurs how to combine spiritual principles with business growth strategy so that they not only build a business that serves them both financially and spiritually, but they don't compromise anything about them in the process. And they do it to the glory of God, because honestly, at the end of the day, that is what we are all here for. And when I'm not that, I'm, I'm a wife. I'm always that, though, right? So I'm a wife, and I get to be the CEO of this amazing company, Incredible One Enterprises, and just doing my part every single day to shake the planet. And so I'm excited to be here. I've been doing live events for 10 years, since 2009. I have been profiting from live events since 2011. So I figured out what I was missing in those early years where I lost my shirt from my live events. And so now I, I like to share that with other people if I can. Awesome. 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 So today, as you can, as you just heard, we're going to be talking about how to profit from live events. One, because I know that many people uh, are already hosting live events, already doing uh, different types of meetups that they charge for. And then I know that there are individuals out here who are wanting to plan to do a live event, me being one, and <laughs> you want to have a good firm foundation um, before you get started. You want to have, you know, as much in your arsenal to ensure that you are profitable uh, when you host that live event. So I thought this would be a great uh, conversation. And so the first question that I would ask is, you know, what is a live event? What do you categorize as a live event? Because I know that there are many types. Right. Yeah. So I would say that there are seven different types of events that I would classify as a profitable live event. So you can do half day or intro workshops. Like when we do our tour every year, we consider that a half day workshop. You can do um, three day, two to three day seminars. You can do um, power breakfasts, you can do executive roundtables, you can do luxury retreats, you can do small group intensives, you can do larger, you know, hundreds of people at an event. You can, the small group intensives are usually somewhere between 12 and 18 people. Um, I feel like I'm missing one. What did I say? Power roundtables or power breakfast, executive roundtables, half day workshops, two day seminars, small group intensives, luxury retreats and large conferences. Yep. Those are the same. So seven different types of events. Should a person who has not done an event start with a particular one or can they do a large event if they've never done one before? Yeah, any of them can be done at any point in time by anybody. I typically recommend a sequence, right? So I typically recommend that you do an intro event first. That's, so that's a half-day workshop. And then from there, you do a three-day event, which conference, retreat, whatever you want to, you know, it's really based on the, um, the content that you're going to be teaching. And then from there, you can enroll them into longer programs. So the, the biggest thing with East, each of these seven is they are events that you can enroll people in, into other things from. That's the most important part of them. And the way that you profit is 
on the front end, you profit before the event starts by your ticket sales and potentially sponsorships. And then on the back end, you profit from enrolling people into your programs. Right. And so there's there's potential for an individual to profit before the event actually happens. Oh, you should. If you don't profit before you take the stage, you need to come and hang out with me. <laughs> you need to learn what you're not doing right, seriously, because, yes, you should. I I get frustrated and I also know it's real because I've dealt with so many and worked with so many entrepreneurs who want to help live events and they are counting on the sales on the back end of the event to pay for the event. That is a big no, no. And you know why? Because you have an, a desperation energy when you come to an event and everything's not paid for. And the way you show up for your attendees is entirely different. You're not serving from your authentic place. You're serving from this space of fear. Am I going to be able to pay these bills? And so even in deciding what the, the amount, what the event should cost, it has to be strategic. Most people are just pulling numbers out of the air because they see somebody else charging this amount for their event without understanding everything that goes into it. As with any um, pricing strategy, you have low pricing, you have high pricing and you have parity pricing and events are no different. You only want to price an event low if you know you have a volume play. If you don't know that you're going to be able to get a lot of people to enroll, it should be priced high because otherwise you're not going to have enough money to cover the event. Right. If you were anticipating that you'd be able to get 50 people to come to your event and let's say the tickets were five hundred dollars each and you only end up getting 12 people to come for five hundred dollars each. You can't pay your bills. And now you're going to show up in desperate energy and try to do that event and hope that on the back end people want to buy something so that you can pay your bills. And that's just not good. Would never recommend that. That's good. That's good. And so I think you, that's worth typing in the comments. So those of you who are watching live and typing in the comments, Crystal Joy, thank you for being on uh, today. That is, you should have your conference, your event paid for before you hit the stage. Yes. Yes. I'm you should that have out. your conference <laughs> or event paid for before you hit the stage. And so let's let's talk about that a little bit. You you mentioned the whole idea of sponsorships. Mm-hmm. How would you go about aligning the right sponsorships to your conference? Yeah, so you're going to have to know, and this can be challenging for those of you who are doing an event the first time and trying to get sponsors because you need data. Organizations no matter the company, you know, State Farm, Bank of America, Walmart, like all of them They happily sponsor events, and that's why you see their logos on lots of events that you attend, but it only will work once you have data on who your audience is going to be, because they're not going to sponsor your event. Let's use Staples as an example. Staples is not going to sponsor your event for uh, toddlers. Toddlers, (laughs) they are not coming into Staples to purchase anything, right? So but you've got to have that data. So it can be hard the very first time unless you already have pre-existing relationships and people are going to be willing to take a chance in sponsoring you because they don't know who's going to show up yet. In my own events, I didn't bring on sponsors until year three. So we did the first two years. We paid for it just through ticket sales. And then the third year we brought on sponsors because we had enough data about who attends the event and what happens when they show up at the event to be able to validate that there are um, that people are investing in themselves through the people who would show up and be the sponsors at the event. So I typically recommend that you implement a strategy for sponsorship around year three. 
Awesome, awesome, awesome. Sherry Summers, thank you for tagging uh, someone in today's post to let them know that Darnielle is on. She is the queen of live events. And those of you who are also watching, hey, tag someone, share this out with anyone whom you know are hosting uh, live events, has an event coming up or desires to be doing live events so that they get this uh, information. And so your sponsorships should definitely be in alignment with the type of conference that you're hosting. Well, what about the numbers? Do the sponsors care about the numbers or is it more important that the individuals in the room are their target market? Yeah, it's, it's, it depends on the sponsor. Every sponsor is different, but most sponsor, most sponsors are less concerned about the number of people and more concerned about the quality of the people, right? So if, if I did an event where I had 12 people registered, so we're talking about 12 people in the room and I was paid $10,000 by a major brand. So it just depends. I had those 12 people in that room paid $5,000 to be there. So the barrier to entry is much higher, right? Because, or not the barrier of the entry, but the fact that they invested at a higher level makes them much more profitable of a potential client to a potential sponsor. So it just really depends. The biggest things that I would tell you in identifying who the sponsors should be that you should look at is you want to get clear, you know, what, what are your key, what is your, your key platform um, or the messages and who you serve? And then who are the companies that serve those same audiences that align with your core values and what you're doing? That would be the best way to look at. And then you also want to look historically. If there are other people in the marketplace holding events that are similar to the one you endeavor to have and they had sponsors, find out who sponsored their events. Allow them to do that work for you and then you can go and reach out and build relationships. Now, I will tell you that depending upon the, the sponsor and the, the um, time of year of your event, most sponsorships have a long sales cycle and they are, so it can take time. So for instance, if your event is in December of this year and you just met someone, it might not happen that they would sponsor your event this year. It depends on their fiscal year, when their calendar cuts off, when they have to spend all of their budget and all of that other data that you are going to need to be able to supply to them. You will need to create a sponsor deck telling them about your event and your attendees and the results that previous exhibitors and sponsors have had in coming to your event. And if you don't have, if you haven't had any other exhibitors or sponsors, then you want to base it on the conversion rate that you were able to get to get people to enroll in your programs. They need to know that you have investors in the room, that it's going to be worth it to them. Um, some of the larger brands that offer consumer products that the world at large can use are a little less stringent on what it takes for them to be a sponsor for your event versus some of the people who offer specialty products and services and wanting to make sure that the right people are in the room. But it's a lot of work. I would typically recommend if you are looking at sponsorships that you bring a person in on your team and that is their exclusive focus throughout the entire event planning cycle. And depending upon um, how established your network is and how many people um, you're really connected with that are engaged in taking action, you want to give yourself sometimes nine to 12 months to plan a conference or a larger event versus just trying to do it in two to three months. Wow. Because it's harder than you think to fill the room. Good, good, good. And so let's shift a little bit because you mentioned something about the whole idea of the the ticket price. Because mm-hmm. you said you did an event that had 12 people mm-hmm. that paid $5,000. And that's one of the things that I think 
attracts me uh, to your business and your brand. And that is the whole idea of, of premium pricing and more intimate settings. So mm-hmm. I, I've always been a more intimate setting, you know, uh, individual who likes to work with the few at a time versus right. multi-mass, right? Mm-hmm. Now, there have been times where I may have done speaking engagements and different things at the mass, but if I wanted to enroll them into something, I would rather have, you know, maybe five Smaller. or 10 people at a time mm-hmm. versus, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 people at a time. Yeah. What What is that philosophy? What's that concept? Why that approach? Yeah, I mean, it, we do a lot of different things. So we have our tour stops that are $49. So that's a low ticket, right? We use that as a tripwire. For those of you who know internet marketing speak, a tripwire is just a, a justification or a validation that the people in the room are willing to invest in themselves. So we use our tour stop events just as a tripwire to make sure that we get investors in the room. They're willing to invest something. That means they're likely to invest something else. The statistics say that 78% of people who invest once will continue to invest. If you continue to present them with something to invest in that meets their needs and solve their problems. So, so we do those, we do moderately priced events, our breakthrough in business, which is a larger event. Those tickets are somewhere between 500 and $1,500. Then we typically do a small group intensive that is around that $2,500 price point. And then I do a luxury retreat that is at around that five to $7,500 price point. So we do a lot of different things. The number of people determines the price. So if I'm only going to allow four people to be in the room with me and let's say my daily rate, let's say the amount of money I want to earn per day is $20,000 and I'm only going to allow four people to be in a room with me and I want to earn $20,000 per day, then that means those people need to pay me approximately $10,000 so that I can make my $20,000 a day, right? And so if I have 12 people in the room, then whatever that fee is, it gets divided by 12 people. So it just depends um, it depends on you. The smaller the group, the more it should cost. The smaller and where the some group, people the more do wrong, cost. yeah, because they get they're getting you to the, to themselves almost. Mm-hmm. Like when I do my business growth weekend, which is a four person luxury retreat, there's only four people there. They're paying seventy five hundred to ten thousand dollars to be with me for three and a half days to have an amazing experience because it's just four of them versus when we do breakthrough and we can have a hundred people in the room and that's $500 a ticket. Mm. And then you also have to take into consideration your expenses too. So if I'm doing a four person retreat, that means we're all staying together, right? So that means I have an expense to find a venue that is going to be luxurious. That's going to sleep at least five, six people, me, my assistant, and the four people who are paying to be there, right? So now we're looking at a mansion or a mini mansion. Well, those can cost anywhere from 500 to $2,000 a night. We're going to be there for, for three and a half nights, which means my team needs to be there for five nights. We need to be there the day before and the day after to do everything to make sure everything goes right. So five nights at If it's $2,000 a night, that's $10,000 just for the venue. I haven't even fed them yet. So all of that stuff has to be taken into consideration. And then I have the amount I want to earn for the service that I'm providing for them over that three and a half days. So where people go wrong with pricing, especially with events, Markeith, is they don't think through 
everything that's involved, even at a $500 ticket, if you haven't thought through what your costs are per person, you could be underpricing the ticket. You know, like for, for us, Breakthrough comes out to roughly $200 per person. Everything that we do, the whole experience is about $200 per person. So by charging $500 a ticket, I'm already at profit per ticket. And that's AV, my whole team, all, anything we have to buy, like all of the tchotchkes, all of the printing, all of that stuff all in comes up to about $200 per person. Hmm. But most people don't think they don't look at their cost in that way. So if you know you're renting a mansion that's ten thousand dollars, you're you know, you're going to bring in a chef for one night. And let's just say that chef is twenty five hundred dollars. Now you're at twelve five. And so you want to look at all of these costs and then you have to divide that by the four people that are going to be there and then add your profit to make sure you're charging enough to be able to profit before the event starts. And not just enough to, to get by in the hopes that they might sign up. Because the thing is, you have to serve them like they're not going to do anything else with you just because they're in that room at that moment. You can't count on them taking the next step. Some will, some won't. And if you're riding on the next step and they don't take it, now you're asked out. <laughs> mm. Sorry, there was no other way to say that. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you have to think about all of this stuff before you set your prices. Yeah, you just have to. And so I like I like that you you talked about it per person. So you're you're talking about the folder, any type of um, extra things that you may give the name tag, name yep. tag, the hand, all of like that. You know, we purple hand clapper, like every single thing. We add it all up. We divide it by the number of attendees, and we make sure it comes out to about two hundred dollars per person. AV, like whatever we're paying for the person to be in the back of the room with the camera, the DJ, the the um, tablecloths, the pipe and drape, the all of that stuff all in needs to come in at around two hundred dollars per person. Good. Now, in order how do you for us go to keep about, the price there. Say it again. In order for us to keep the price at the price point that we have, if they come in higher, then we just raise the price of the ticket. Now, how do you go about choosing your venue? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so. So uh, I don't choose my venue. <laughs> I have an event manager who chooses my venue. So we've been working together at this point. You met Tiffany when you came to Breakthrough for such a long time. She can, you know, she can channel her inner Darnielle and pick a venue that she knows that I'm going to love. Um, but in the early days when I didn't have a Tiffany Chalk and I was trying to find a venue, I wanted a place that was easy to get to. So if people are going to be flying in and, and you guys may or may not know, I live in Delaware and I do hold... The majority of my events in Delaware, and if you've never been there and you decide to come, it'll be your first time ever coming to Delaware like Marquise was this past May. And so we need to always make sure we have a venue because Delaware doesn't have its own airport, not commercial air, air um, planes. We have like a private one in um, Newcastle. So we need to be close enough mm -hmm. to the airport that people aren't driving for hours to get to the venue because that can be a detractor from whether or not people are going to come to the experience, right? So I want it to be close enough. I want it to be clean. One thing we do, even though I don't necessarily pick the venue, Tiffany and her team will go in. They'll see the ballroom. They'll go into um, the guest rooms. They'll see a room with double beds. They'll see a room with a king-size bed. They'll look at the suite. They'll look at the restaurant. They'll look at the bathrooms on the main floor and make sure all of that is on par with the brand that we are exuding at our events. You know, I, I will tell you in full transparency, Marquis 
2011, I think. It was right. Be- it was the first time I hired Tiffany. We had an event at a Howard Johnson. I- <laughs> but I'm going to cover my face because <laughs> I am not proud to tell you that. But that was the last time we were at the Hojo. <laughs> After that, we went on a brand elevation. And so we started to pay more attention to the venue because that's part of the whole experience. You want to make sure that the the um, people who are going to be checking people into their hotel rooms are nice, that they're that the lobby is clean, that. You know, the people are personable, like all of that kind of stuff goes into the culmination of the experience of what your attendees are going to get when they come to your event and trust and believe they're going to be talking about you if anything is off at breakthrough this past year. We didn't know what was going to happen, but a few days before the event started, they had to do major construction and it was horrible and terrible. And we'll never go back to that that hotel again as a result of it. Because it it marred the experience that we wanted for our attendees, and they didn't tell us it was going to happen. So we ended up getting a discount on our bill because it popped up right before the event happened, and they didn't give us a heads up about it. So all of that stuff is important, and you really do need to make sure that you're thinking it through. I'll tell you one of the most phenomenal events that I've attended, and how he did it, as well as how he marketed the next year's event at the current event mm-hmm. was very eye-opening to me. And that was Bishop Jake's Pastors and Leaders Conference. Okay, yeah. And it was a phenomenal conference, but he even had the hotel print the key cards for mm-hmm. the next year's event saying, Yeah, we've done that. Thank you for coming. But then also, hey, be sure to book your next year's ticket for yeah. 2020, yeah. right? Yeah, we've done that too. When we do, typically when we get over 250, 200 people, then we do the room keys. And yeah, because it's a cost Mm -hmm. to do them. There are companies where you can do them outside. You can have them printed and then you can have them sent to the hotel. And then the hotel will just read them into their machine. Or you can pay for the hotel to do them, but that's a different expense. We got it sponsored when we did it a couple of years ago. But they will only do it over a certain amount of rooms and I'm sure for a TD Jakes event, he's got the room block <laughs> numbers on lock to be able to do that. Right. So yeah. before we talk about your conference, here's what I would like to do. Uh, I'm a novice mm-hmm. and I've never hosted an event before. What would be those top five to seven things that I need to do, need to consider and think about uh, in the process of creating my first event yeah so that's a good question so i would say number one um and what's t- okay and those of you who are watching type these in the comments for those who will be watching the replay to ensure that they capture uh, these steps yeah so what's the problem that your event is going to solve so especially if this event is an enrollment event and it's not just bringing people together because you don't have anything else better to do. If you are trying to have a result occur for the people in the room, what is that, right? So you want to make sure whatever the problem is that you are planning to solve is going to lead them to a transfer transferable result. So that's number one. So what is the problem? Number two is who is it for? Take the time to figure out your ideal attendee, your ideal audience, right? Some people call this your avatar, You know, like literally write out the description of who this person is, figure out where these people are gathering in large enough numbers that if you were to go there, you'd be able to reach enough of them and talk to them about coming to your event. So do your due diligence on um, getting clear about who the event is for. Um, Number three, I would say 
figure out that's the strategy you want to implement for your event. Like, why are you having the event? Right. Um, are you doing it just because you're trying to build community? Are you doing it because you're trying to fill your coaching program? Are you doing it because like, what are you doing it for? So be really clear about what's in it for you for in the purposes of doing the event. Um, number four would be identify the people that you're going to need to help you to pull it off. I do not recommend that you try to do an event by yourself. Hire the event planner, but make sure that they are an event planner who has experience holding your kind of events. If all they've ever done are, you know, weddings and bat mitzvahs, they are probably not the right event manager for you. Go and find somebody who's doing corporate types of events. You know what I mean? Like one of the things that I was able to do with Tiffany is we've been working together so long as I taught her how to do these types of events. So now she can take that experience and serve other clients who are doing the same type of events. Right. So if you don't know, you need somebody who does know would be the probably most important fourth thing. But when it comes to venue selection and negotiation, do not try to do that yourself. I can tell you, like literally just had a conversation with somebody like three weeks ago that was scheduling an event. They told themselves they'd be able to get 200 people to come to this event. First time doing an event. And um, three months away is this event. So that is going to be challenging just because this person doesn't have a big enough network of people who are engaged and are going to just jump on buying a ticket. Um, They booked their venue. They in the venue, they agreed to this ridiculous room rental, this ridiculous food and beverage minimum and this ridiculous room night block. So now they have the added pressure of just getting people to come to their event to now have to also make sure that everybody stays at the hotel. Most people, you know what, like whatever, like say you want to have 100 people at your event. My recommendation would be that your room block would only serve about 25 people. Hmm. And the reason why is because people stay at Airbnbs now. They don't want to pay $159 $159 a night for uh, to stay in a hotel, which is what, 400 square feet, where they could have an entire home for $159 a night. And they can invite three or four other people to come and stay with them. So it's it's getting harder and harder to get people to stay at the hotel. But because you don't know what you don't know, you agree that you tell them you want to have 100 people and they say, OK, well, then you need 85 room nights. Wow. Even if it's a three day event, 85 room nights means you need to have almost, you know, 40 people book a room. Mm -hmm. You might not have that. And now you're going to have attrition, which means that's the percentage that you are responsible for paying if you don't fill your room block. It can get ugly. So hire someone to help you. That would be number four. And then the fifth one, um, I would say, um, Get clear about your profit plan. Hmm. Like how how are you going to make sure that A, you can afford the event and B, you're going to profit before you take the stage? Because there is a chance that nobody could buy anything on the back end. And if you are waiting for the back end to happen and it doesn't happen, you just spend a lot of time and energy doing an event to sell nothing. That's not good. So get really, really clear about your profit plan. And and if you've never done this before, you should absolutely be engaging with a coach or a mentor that has experience in it. This is not the time for theory. You want somebody who's been there, done that and got the T-shirt. Good, good. And so I appreciate Kevin for typing those in the comments. Um, So we'll start at the top. 
Kevin Caught, uh, one, you need to know the problem that the event solves. What's the problem that the event solves? Number two, who is the event for? Who's the target market for the event? Number three, what's the strategy for the event, the expected end result? Number four, who do you need to hire to help you pull off the event to make it success and profitable? And then number five, get clear on your profit plan. Yeah. Your profit plan because right. your event sure. should be profitable. That's the whole point of us having That's today's right. conversation, how to profit from live events. You can just invite people over to your house if you want to have people over. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> the whole point of this is to increase your coin. <laughs> right. awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. And so I know that you have hosted uh, this particular event um, before uh, uh, several times and you've brought it back and resurrected it uh, for uh, this year. And so let's talk a little bit about your upcoming event called Profit From Live Events that's going to be Atlanta. Yeah. So Profit From Live Events, this is going to be our third and very likely our final time doing it. And I said that last year. And I meant it last year until someone strongly recommended that I not do it. And I did. I lamented and I did it again or relented and decided to do it again. Um, but I'm it's not likely that I'm going to do it again. What I am considering doing is turning it into an online course. Mm. Um, so if it if the physical event does go away, then there will at least still be an online course where people can get the information. But one last time, as I it's the truth as I tell it to you now. I mean it for real. It's not a marketing ploy. I'm not just saying it to try to get you to sign up. If you want to learn how to profit from live events, come. If you don't, guess what? I'm going to be there teaching people what I already know, which is how to profit from live events. So three days, very intensive. We go deep on how to promote, position, and profit. So promoting is all of the Um, figuring out the who, what, when, where, how, and why, and how much, right? So we're going to do all of that. And how do we get the word out? How do we create a marketing plan? And how do we engage a team of people to help you to pull off this marketing piece of the event? Day two is all of the positioning. What do you need to do before, during, and after the event to make sure that the attendees are taking the next step with you? Trust and believe this. If a person is willing to buy a ticket to your event, get on a plane and book a hotel, they are trying to determine if you are their next best mentor. So it is yours to lose. There are things you could do or not do during your event that could determine whether or not they hire you. And so I'm gonna teach you all of the things you need to do before, during, and after to position the event to get the end result that you're wanting. And then day three is all about how to profit. So we talk about the enrollment process. We talk about having a success store to sell your other products and services. We talk about all of the other ways you can increase your coinage, sponsorship, like everything that goes into creating money from this event, we do it on day three. So three days, position or promote, position, profit. Everything you need to know. You're going to get a binder. Um, my assistant has been working over the last couple of days to um, create update the new binder. It's literally, I added stuff. So people who came last year, sorry, y'all missed it. I done added some new stuff. Um, you're going to get a binder that literally gives you my blueprint. Everything that I do every single time I hold my event, when I go through my sequence, that allows us to generate crazy money from these events. This one we just did back in May, we had 93 people 
Of those 93 people, about 57 of them were eligible to make an investment into something. Of those 57, approximately 27 signed up for something. I didn't accept eight of them. I think it was eight. And then the rest of them were enrolled into our programs that were either 15,000 or eight or 24,000. And we closed just shy of $400,000 in three days. The year before we had 50 people at the event, we closed 400, just about $400,000 in three days. So if you want to learn how to make more in three days than most people make in a year, you want to try to potentially join us at the, the next one we're doing live. If not, you definitely want to make sure that you're on our list so that when we create the home, the home study online course, you get access to the information so that you can figure it out through the course um, on your own. Did y'all hear that? Do you want to create more from one event in three days that most people make in an entire year? Yeah. You know, I always share all the time that, hey, you need to surround yourself around people who are doing things in their business on the level that you desire to do it on. Yes. Yeah. Because that's that's how you learn. That's how you become more successful. You don't want to be the smartest person in the room. You don't want to be the smartest person in the group. If you Did are, not. you need to find a new room, find a new group. Absolutely. Before we end this live, I want you to share with people um, a little bit of your story and some of your successes and being a million dollar business, you know, because I want people to know why I connected with you <laughs> and somebody like you, because, you know, there's nothing like knowing people who do what you do, but do it on such a great level that it inspires you to keep going, keep pressing, keep moving. So share a little bit of your story about okay. some of the, your most successful years in business and so that people know it's possible. Yeah, so um, before I share some of our most successful years, let me share our worst year, if yes. that's okay. Right. And the reason why I want to do that is because I don't want you to think that I woke up like this, that every day of my life I've been a success, that I too have had setbacks that I've turned into comebacks. I too have quote unquote failed. I too have questioned whether or not I should be here or should I get a job just so we're clear, right? Entrepreneurship is hard. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. And those of us who have figured out how to do it well, trust and believe we did it only by having lots of scratches and scrapes and band-aids that you can't see. We're walking with a limp. <laughs> so know that, okay? So I always like to tell people in 2000, I started my company in 2007. Um, in 2008, I was prior to starting Incredible One, I was a Mary Kay Pink Cadillac sales director. And I sent my pink Cadillac back to the company in April of 2008. And then I was official as a full-time entrepreneur by, by late April, early May 2008. Well, by 2010, I was filing bankruptcy because I came to the end of my rope. There was not enough money and I didn't know what I was doing in my business. Now, when I left Mary Kay, I thought I would be able to just leave Mary Kay, jump into Incredible One, and it would be on and popping. But working a proven business model is entirely different than creating your own from scratch. And I struggled. I struggled really bad, so bad that I had to get a job. So by the end of 2008, I was getting a job and it didn't pay me very well, but I got a job just so that I'd be able to keep a roof over my head and a car to drive and my little cell phone and some food. And I didn't really buy any clothes. I ate ramen noodles and peanut butter and jelly every other day for 18 months. 
And when I took that job, I humbled myself because I'm the girl who said I'm never sitting behind anyone else's desk again. I humbled myself and did what I had to do and learned what I did not know about building a business from scratch so that when I quit that job at the end of 2010, I would truly be unemployable and never look back. By the time I started my company, working my company full time, which was January 1, 2011, I had a multiple six figure business. We were doing about two. I think that year we did two hundred and forty eight thousand dollars in 2010. And by 2014, we had crossed the million dollar mark. And you want to know how? From a live event. <laughs> and my 2014 Unleash Your Incredible Factor Live, we had over 260 people at that event. We closed over 100 and I think it was like 123 people into our programs that were somewhere between 10 and $18,000. We closed 123 people into those programs and generated $1.3 million in three short days. And I instantly overnight was a millionaire or a millionaire business owner. I didn't have a million dollars. Um, and I will tell you, it was it was great, but it was also the worst thing ever. It was everything Biggie said it would be. I had more money and more problems. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I all of a sudden, I had all this money. I was in a different tax bracket. My business model didn't work. My business entity didn't work. And I ended up paying $400,000, just shy of $400,000 in taxes. What is the point of making millions to pay that kind of taxes? I did not know what I didn't know. And that's what gets most of us in trouble. There are the things we know we know. There are the things we know we don't know. But there's this whole other category of things you don't even know you don't know. And that is what jacked me up. So I began to do my work and figure out I started hiring better coaches to figure out what this I wanted this business to be because I created a monster for myself. I ended up that year. 2015, I think I had almost 300 clients. I didn't love it. I hate. I actually hated my business, which is very strong. I hated it. So I pretty much pulled the plug on the whole thing. I went from 300 clients one year to less than 50 the next. My income went from $2.8 million all the way down to just about a half a million dollars as I regrouped and figure out who I wanted to be and what I wanted my business to do for me. I decided that I wanted to build a business that served me financially and spiritually. I met my now husband and, you know, got courted by him and found happiness in life and was not just a, um, a one trick pony all while rearranging my business. So 20, that was 2016. Yeah. So 2016, we went down to about a half a million. 2017, we were flat. We are again around a half a million, actually maybe just shy of it. 2018, we did 1.3 million. So it came back. But when it came back, it came back the way I wanted it, it to be a business that serves me fully with the right clients that I want to serve, working as much as I want to work and having a team to support me to do what I do. All the money. I don't want to say all the majority of the money we make is from our live events. I do live events. I enroll people in my programs. And then, I, you know, sometimes I speak. I do a you know, few other things. And that's just in this business. So. I don't do theory. Nothing I will ever have to say to you is theory. It's all based on what I know to be true because I've done it myself. And if I can do it, you can do it because God is no respecter of persons. And he only created all of this in my life so that it could be a, an inspiring story that you could latch onto to find the success clues to be able to do it for yourself. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. You know, it's. I think it's important for people to hear the story, right, and to know mm -hmm. where a person comes from 
and to kind of track that level of success. And it inspires somebody like me who's at the beginning stages of of his business and, you know, really continuing to learn the processes. But here's what happened, though. Here's what's different. I don't necessarily have to make the same mistakes as Danielle because I enrolled in one of Danielle's programs to learn what mistakes not to make. Right. I hired a coach to help me to uh, eliminate some of the pitfalls, right? And to help me with the right systems and to help me with the right framework and uh, processes to to get things in place. Doesn't mean I'm not going to make mistakes, but I can eliminate some of the mistakes. That's right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, we appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing this great information. I posted the link to the conference in the comments. I'll post it also in the post once we end this live. I just want to see if anyone has any quick questions that they would like to ask. One or two questions. We might take one or two questions so Danielle can uh, get back to the rest of her day. So if you have a question, if you have a question about live events, how to profit from live events. If you have an event coming up and you'd like to get in a quick question about your event, type that in the comments right now, right now, so that we can see uh, get Danielle to answer that question for you. So if you have a question, we'll wait. Six yeah, and I just want to respond to some of the comments. So yes, Shantae, you are normal. <laughs> uh, you are welcome, Kathy. She says, thank you for your transparency. And then Kevin says, I see the story, I see the journey, and now the elevation, authentic share. And he also said, thanks for sharing the struggle first. Yeah. Helps me see you clearly, which in turn allows me to see me. Yeah, and it and it's the truth. Like me getting on here and acting all pompous, like I've never been through anything does not help anybody. In fact, it probably repels you more than it would ever attract you. But letting you know that I am human and if you cut me, I bleed. And I too have been, you know, some of y'all may not have filed bankruptcy. You know, I've been bankrupt. I have eaten. Don't even try to give me no peanut butter and jelly or ramen noodles now. <laughs> like I I have been in the pit, but now I'm on the t- on the mountain. You know what I mean? So it, it is about the progression. And again, if it can happen for me, it can happen for you too. You know, I really like the fact that you said, hey, I was over a million dollars, but I decided intentionally that I wanted something different. Yeah. And we went down to 500,000. Yeah. That was good. Kevin says, what service do you offer that people pay? This is my first time hearing you. I love this. Oh, okay. So I am a business growth strategist and coach, and I have... A couple of different programs, um, but my business growth accelerator is my flagship program. That is the program that Mark Keith participated in. It is everything you need to build a firm foundation under your business. And once you go through the accelerator, you get you maintain lifetime access to the content at whichever point you're ready to implement the things you hadn't done yet. If you go back and do them, you'll make more money. And it's everything you need. Catch this to build a seven figure business. Everything you need is in there. And it's no hype and gimmicks, nothing that is fad, that time will change. It's all of the foundational things you need in order to build your business. Awesome. Awesome. And so let everyone let uh, know where to find you and how they can find you on social media and your website and so on and so forth. Sure. So, yeah, you can find me um, on social media as Danielle Jervie Harmon. 
everywhere that I am on uh, Twitter, I think I might still just be Darnell Jervy. I haven't been tweeting very much lately, but on Instagram here on Facebook, Darnell Jervy Harmon. Um, if you'd like to learn more about me and get into my community, I would invite you here on Facebook to go to the Six Figure Cash Flow Club with um, with me, with Darnell. Oh, and you can go to unlocksixfigurecashflow.com and you can watch my masterclass on how to unlock six figure cash flow, even if you haven't crossed the six figure mark yet. Awesome. Awesome. And if you decide to work with Darnielle and sign up with her, just let her know that Mark Keith sent you. That's right. Because he's going to get some <laughs> affiliate points. <laughs> Awesome, awesome, awesome. So thank you so much again for uh, sharing this wealth of knowledge. I know people were blessed and uh, got some great information. And, you know, hey, I look forward to doing more work with you pretty soon as I continue to grow and and and, and create my six-figure cash flow business so I can pay for all the coaching that I need. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, it was great hanging out with you. And hello again. And thank you to everyone who joined us live. And again, for those of you who um, join us in the replay, just go back and listen. Lots of great information that you can begin to use. And if you'd like to connect, then connect. I would love to deepen the connection. Awesome, awesome. And those of you who are not a part of my uh, email list or my Facebook group, please research uh, on Facebook. Uh, maximize your brand with Markeith Brayton and join the group because we're always sharing great information about how to elevate and maximize your brand so that you can create the lifestyle and the income that you desire. And also, if you're interested in doing a brand maximization discovery session, all I ask is that you go to visit my website, MarkeithBrayton.com, click on the Contact Me tab, and there you have an opportunity to schedule a brand maximization discovery session where we can talk to see whether or not we'll be a good fit and you learn how we can help you with your personal brand. So take care. Have a great day. And just remember this, always shoot for the top because it's the bottom that's overcrowded. I know that's right. <laughs>